Yeah, it's a real privilege this morning just to have uh, Pete minister to us this morning. I know he has uh, waited expectantly on the Lord uh, to bring us something that he feels is from the heart of God. And we honor him this morning for who he is in our midst. We honor him for his devotion to the Lord. And um, yeah, it's wonderful just to have him minister to us this morning. Pete. Thank you, Derek. family. I'm a bit overwhelmed already. Just just experiencing the Lord so far. I'm keen to see what he wants to, to do now. Holy Spirit, as we, as we read the word now, and submit ourselves under it, I pray that you just teach, teach each one of us to our hearts and minds. Bring us closer to that bright, shining sun. Bring us closer to the Father. Bring us closer to Jesus. Glorify them in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. As I sought the Lord this week for, for the message you wanted me to bring to, to this group that would be here at Provence this Sunday. I felt him highlight a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Peter begins here, he says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. And the fact is, Jesus is returning soon. If you watch the Escaping Babylon series, Andrew reminded us and exhorted us, Jesus is returning soon. I remember one of our recent meetings, Errol brought a prophetic word and he said, time is running out. Jesus is returning soon. We see at the end of Revelation chapter 22, in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And John responds, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In just a few verses earlier, verse 17, we see the Spirit and the Bride together in unity, saying, come. Come. And when we fix our eyes on Him, when we look ahead to that beautiful, eternal hope, that day when we'll see Him face to face, in all of his glory, when every tear from our eyes will be wiped away. When we do that, there's, there's this, this yearning, this zeal, this passion within us that just doesn't want anything to do with what's happening this side of heaven anymore. We just, we yearn for him. And we cry out from that place of, oh, come, Lord Jesus. And we have this vision of this eternal storyline. We connect to it. then we have to, to look at our lives today and just ask the question, how aligned is the way that we're living our lives today to that eternal storyline? 
And I felt led to, to ask each and every one of you to consider a question. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, how would you change what you're going to do today? And actually, I want each one of you to take a moment right now and consider that question. That if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, how would that realization change the way that you act today? How would that realization change what you prioritize today? How would that realization change what you focus on today if you knew Jesus was in fact coming back tomorrow? You might say, well, Pete, I, Jesus himself said, if we look in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And that is true, we don't know that day. Jesus continues in verse 33. In light of that fact, he says, be on guard. Be alert. Why? Because you do not know when that time will come. Paul says something similar in his letter to the Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verse 2, he says, You know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You will not be expecting it. And in light of that, verse 6, he, he encourages them, Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. So we see in these scriptures that in light of the fact that Jesus may, in fact, actually return tomorrow, maybe even tonight, that we are called to be on guard, to be alert, to be awake, and to be sober. And I began to, to meditate on what would it look like practically for me to be in that place, to see, Lord, am I, am I actually being on guard? Am I actually awake and alert and sober? And I realized that if I asked myself that question, that if I knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would change about the way that I live today? I realized that if I was truly on guard, alert, awake, and sober, the answer would be nothing would change about the way that I'm going to live today. Why? Because I would already be living in a place of obedience to everything he's asking of me, to everything the Spirit is calling me to do. I'd be living from a place of immediate repentance when I'm convicted of sin and missing the mark in the Lord's eyes. I'd be living in a place that, oh Lord, I pray that you find me faithful in every way, shape, and form if you come back tonight or tomorrow. So what do we do in light of the fact that the end of all things is near? When we continue in 1 Peter 4, 7, similar to Jesus, similar to Paul, Peter says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind. 
Why? So that you may pray. And honestly, it's, it's, it's amazing, really, when we realize who the author of this letter is. Peter, and we think back on his life. You know, Peter wasn't just one of the 12. He was one of the, the inner circle, the three disciples that, that Jesus chose to, to take even closer with him. through some amazing experiences, seeing him transfigured in all his glory in front of them. And another one of those times where Peter got to be closest to Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just had the Last Supper with the disciples. He told them what was coming. He had broken bread with them, shared the cup with them. When we go to Matthew 26, verse 36, we see Jesus then went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. If we actually go back a little bit that, that evening, verse 31, Peter had actually told them that this very night you will all fall away on account of me. In verse 33, we see Peter's reply, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. To which Jesus answered, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So I imagine this moment where Peter's now in the garden. He'd left everything, left his fishing business, left everything to follow this man as his disciple. He's rightfully seen as the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And now he sees Jesus at a moment just so overwhelmed by sorrow and trouble, probably in a way that he's never seen Jesus before. Jesus had given them this warning about what's going to happen this night. So I imagine Peter must be in his place that whatever Jesus asked him to do next, surely Peter will do whatever he can for Jesus in this moment. Surely. In verse 38, we see Jesus say to them, stay here and keep watch with me. His request in that moment was keep watch with me. Seemingly, to me, a seemingly easy request. He wasn't asking him to walk on water in that moment. Stay here and keep watch with me. We see what Jesus does next in verse 39. He goes a little farther. And Jesus falls with his face to the ground. And he prays, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And sometimes we can rightfully so remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. We can remember three days later the, the beauty of the empty tomb and his resurrection. I feel sometimes we can easily forget 
the example that Jesus sets for us in his humanity and the way that he lived his life. In fact, we see 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So what do we observe from Jesus in this, this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's on his face praying to his Father? We observe such an awareness of what his Father is asking of him, his unique role, plan, and purpose that the Father has created for him to walk in. We see a level of absolute surrender a level of absolute dependence on him in prayer, seeking him, realizing he, there's, there's no way he can do this on his own. And we see a level of submission that as difficult it is to even wrap his mind around what the Father is asking him to do. He says, not my will be done, your will. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And is that our heart posture with everything in our lives? Completely surrendered to what the Father is desiring of us. Even if it means suffering. For his name, for his glory. Not our will be done. Your will be done. And then verse 40 we see that Jesus returns to his disciples who he had said, stay here and watch with me. And he finds them sleeping. And he asked Peter specifically, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And I feel like sometimes the Lord may, may have those thoughts towards us. Couldn't you come and, and meet with your brothers and sisters? two hours? Couldn't you come and, and spend an hour with me alone this morning? Couldn't you come and spend 30 minutes with me in the Word? In this case, he asked Peter, couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? And he gives him a very good exhortation. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then we see Jesus model something else. See, the one hour in prayer wasn't sufficient for this moment for Jesus. He went away a second and a third time to again sit with his Father and pray. And each time he returned and found the disciples sleeping. Verse 45, for the last time he came back and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. And then as if falling asleep three times when Jesus was most in need and asking of him to, to keep watch with him, Peter does, in fact, proceed to deny Jesus three times, even after Jesus had given him the heads up that he'll go ahead and do so. We see in verse 74, he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And then immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. And he went outside and he wept 
bitterly. I can't imagine what that moment felt like for Peter. You love Jesus, you really do. And this same Peter is now the one writing this command. It's incredible, really. It's incredible. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And it's such an amazing example of the grace of God and how he won't give up on us no matter what we do. In fact, in John 21, we see Jesus resurrected now. He makes breakfast for the disciples. And after breakfast, he, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter says, you know that I love you. And Jesus tells Peter to, to feed and take care of his lambs and sheep. And then he tells Peter the, the type of death that he's going to have that will glorify God. And he says to Peter, follow me. I don't know if Peter in that moment, again, saying that he would die for Jesus, now hearing how he would die, maybe he, he wrestled with his unique role that God had given him. And he turns around and he sees John following them and he says to Jesus, what about him? And so often we can look around us and compare ourselves to how others are journeying with the Lord. Jesus, in verse 22, is very clear. He says, what is that to you? He says, you, Peter, must follow me. And it's incredible. As we read the book of Acts, we see exactly that. We see that Peter followed Jesus. He was filled with the Spirit. He was used mightily by the Lord from that day until that day that he was martyred unto the glory of God. Absolutely incredible. And we see such an incredible example that God gave to Peter. Even after Peter let him down, even after Peter disowned him, God still gave him grace. But we also clearly see that Peter lived the rest of his life and finished his life living in light of eternity, in light of Christ's return being that's how he lived his life. And I felt the Lord remind me as we as we think about this. He reminded me of the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. And here we have, we have ten virgins that were all, that number one, they were virgins, and they were they were out and they were waiting for the bridegroom. And five of them were described as foolish, were not prepared the way they were supposed to be prepared. And then five were wise, and they were prepared. And they all physically fell asleep that night. And that was the night that the bridegroom came. And they awoke to this realization. And we see, starting in verse 10, that the virgins who were ready, they went in with him to that wedding banquet, that amazing, glorious wedding banquet. And the door was shut. 
Then verse 11, later the others also came. And they said, Lord, Lord. They called him Lord. And they said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And we see his reply. Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. of this, verse 13, we're given, we're given our exhortation, therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Church, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of you right now in this moment. his grace is here. I know his love is here. I know he is here. And his heart is for each and every single person that, that he brought here today to hear this word. And I want us to just take a moment before the Lord and allow him to search our hearts, to examine ourselves, to say, Lord, are we, are we living our lives in light of this truth, in light of who you are, in light of eternity, in light of the hope to come, and to commit again fresh, to commit ourselves, to, to continue to live from this place. And if I may, may I ask each one of you to stand right now together as his bride. Jesus it's all about you it really truly is all about you and I thank you for a sweet moment like this to fix our eyes on you to be reminded fully of who you are reminded fully of what you've done and to be reminded fully of what our response is in light of that and Lord we come to you oh, weak Lord so weak but Lord thank you that in our weakness you are proven strong and Lord we say search our hearts today let there be no walls in our hearts just an open door for you, Lord. And we say, Lord, come, shine your light. If there's a way that you want us to change this moment and where we go from this place, Lord, show us. Show each one of us, Lord. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, empower us to do so. Empower us to follow you, to bring glory to your name. do love you, Lord. We do love you. We do love you. Lord, we thank you for your love. 
I think this morning um, it's a, a weighty word, a word that each and every one of us needs to find that quiet, secret place before the Lord um, and ask Him the questions that Pete asked us this morning and to wait on the Lord and to just take strength in the Lord. So I want to encourage you as you um, go home and, and, and take time. Uh, oftentimes we ask for response, you know, in a, in a service like this. But I feel in my heart that this is, this is a word between you and the Lord. And you need to go and find that quiet place and just ask the Lord to show you He loves you. Ask Him to show you your, your readiness before Him. And ask Him to light those areas that need uh, attention in your spiritual life as you walk before the Lord. Mike? Can I 